Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, mates, this episode is brought to you live from the European Beer Cafe in Melbourne, Australia. Uh, it was recorded just a few days ago, and it was quite a bit of fun. Um, so sit back and in, get ready to enjoy that. Um, before we do that, I should say uh, the rest of the run is sold out. There's two more live shows to go. Next week, we're going to have a studio episode for you with special guest Naomi Higgins, which is really cool. Um, I am still doing my stand-up show. Um, some are already sold out. I've sold a bunch out in the first half of the festival, but there's still tickets to get if you want to come along. Uh, in the back half of the festival, it's on at seven fifty-five p.m. Uh, six fifty-five on Sundays, and it's on every night apart from Monday for the next two weeks, or just short of the next two weeks. So. Please come along if you want to. Uh, use the discount code do go on for a discount. Obviously, the show's called Nostalgia Was Better When I Was a Boy. It's at the Victoria Hotel in the city, and it's been a lot of fun. Um, so, yeah, hopefully see you there. Say hi if you do come along. Uh, I'm around to chat after the shows. Anyway, let's get on with this week's episode of Do Go On. I'll be back at the end to say more things. See you then. Good evening, Sunday night. Welcome to Do Go On. Hey, feeling? <laughs> Hell yeah! Thank you so much for coming out. Easter Sunday. My name is Dave Warnicky. Welcome to another episode of Do Go On. But it's not just one. It's not just two. It is three people on stage tonight. Can you please go crazy for Jess Perkins and Matt Stewart? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we did it. We did it. We're back. How, how are, you? are you? Are we good? Are we good? Sunday. We're halfway through a long weekend. Well, I don't fucking know. Three quarters. 
three this quarters. This feels like one of the easier ones. All right, well, I don't get holidays. I work every day. I'm working right now. I'm mining Bitcoin over here. That's not true. That's not true. I like... I like you did that during Book Cheat as well. You said something that was obviously not true, and they went, that's not true. <laughs> and everyone's like, yeah, we're not fucking idiots. But I like that you just can't lie. Yeah, oh, I know the crowd. Someone will yell, fact check. Fact check that. Yeah. No, they're yelling, fuck head. <laughs> sounds <laughs> like, sounds like. Which, which in many ways is much worse. <laughs> but, great, oh, but great to have you here, nonetheless. All anyway, of you. happy Easter, everybody. Yeah, happy Easter. Thanks hey. for avoiding your families. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think of you as back, our family. Jesus. Oh, yeah. Is that what happens today? Yes. <laughs> yeah, welcome back. Start the show. Uh, who's heard the show before? <laughs> Love that. Thank you. Great. Uh, other end of the scale. Always we say, don't be shy. Who's never heard the show before? All right. This guy. Great. He's not one of us. <laughs> You've heard, heard it, it once, so that he doesn't count. He's heard it. He Hold knows on. it. Actually, hearing it once and never again is worse than <laughs> never hearing it. Oh, yeah. You've had a go. Not for me. <laughs> Do you remember which one you heard? What did we talk about? Uh, did you pay any attention? <laughs> Sounds like one of Dave's reports. <laughs> did it go for three or four hours? It was about a murder. Yeah. All right, oh, that, that could be any of 15 or 16 episodes. Hmm. I do love murder. Yeah. <laughs> well, sometimes it's a murder, but sometimes it's other stuff. We take it in terms of report on a topic often suggested by a listener, and it is Matt's turn to report on something. Jess and I actually have no idea what he's going to talk about. Yeah. And we always start with a question. Matt, Matt. hang on. Well, let my, can you let my computer boot up yeah. first before you... While it does, I just want to warn you, Matt, um, mm -hmm. that Dave lately has been a little bit of a bitch. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, sorry. I haven't been cutting my claws. <laughs> so... Oh, yeah. He's been real bitchy lately. So, uh, good luck. Um... But he is going to rip you to shreds. Yeah, for sure. Oh, in that t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Do the thing. Do the thing. Row. <laughs> Thank you. I've been working on that. I've been working on that. Uh, I've thought about that every day since you did it. And I was like, I'm going to throw him under the bus so <laughs> yeah. hard. Well, you need to think about me when you're picking something out of the wardrobe, sister. <laughs> 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 Kitty's got claws. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Not true. Like, I love them. All you have is like picking on our clothes. <laughs> I know. Uh, what else can I pick on? <laughs> oh, so many things. Oh, yeah. Okay. We are deeply flawed. Well, all right, I'm getting, I'm, I'm working into this new character. <laughs> Sister? Yeah. Oh, why don't you upgrade your laptop? Poindexter? <laughs> it doesn't quite work. Something might work, you know? <laughs> I didn't need that today, Dave. <laughs> I don't know, quite know if that makes any sense either. Surely it would be the Poindexters who had updated. The cool guys are using an old Dell. <laughs> yeah, I'm rocking a 2017 model. <laughs> Vintage. <laughs> right. Have you explained this yet? Probably about yeah. four or five minutes ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We well, started with a question. Up. We're ready for it. My question is... What connects a strange but true soccer match 
with a strange but true story about an undead wife and a strange but true story about a meat shower. What connects them? Yeah, what connects those? Oh, I'm looking forward to the meat shower. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what connects them? Yeah, any guesses, Dave? Is it that they're all strange but true? It is that they're all strange but true. <laughs> it was hiding in plain sight. Well done. You cracked the code. <laughs> I told Jess that answer before we started. <laughs> I said, here's one for you. Don't tell Dave. Yeah. The answer is they're all strange but true. Did you forget? I, w I was going to let him do a joke one first and then I was going to swoop in and be the hero and get it right. And then the piece of shit nails it. <laughs> I've never done that before and I'll never do it again. Yeah, it's not worth it. I'm an idiot. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to tell five strange but I think true stories that I found on the internet. It's hard to tell. They're on the internet. But I think they're true. Okay. Um, what website are these from? Strangebuttrue.com. <laughs> A lot of them are actually from the New York Times. Oh, yeah. In an article that was... Moment <laughs> <laughs> Hush. The New York Times just got a... Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give that the reverence it deserves. Yeah. <laughs> Some of them were reposted on the New York Times on April the 1st. So... <laughs> but I looked up and I found the original thing. So unless they really committed to this bit, I think they are genuinely... All right. Um, <laughs> but this first one's definitely true. It's about the 1994 Caribbean Cup. So, this was suggested by Katie O'Day from Brighton. You in, Katie? <laughs> Dave, what do you think about Katie? <laughs> okay. She couldn't and find anything to wear. <laughs> Been absolutely roasted there. And, um, <laughs> Suck okay. in, Katie. Also, Braden so Douglas from Brisbane. Also not in, I don't think. <laughs> Makes more sense, that one. Yeah, that's fair enough. All right, well, let's <laughs> get oh, cracking. Mean, I'm not going to kick down there, so... Uh, is <laughs> <laughs> we have started a little bit late. Does anyone have another show to run off to if we go a little over? No, we're good. <laughs> I love the, love the spokesperson. You. I've checked with everyone. <laughs> That's good. So, yeah, I'll right. just double-check that. So Otherwise, this will be a, a short app. Happy for three hours? <laughs> what right, you guys can stay for three hours. <laughs> oh, I saw the Foo Fighters play once. Maybe... Oh, OK. <laughs> 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 no, they did maybe an hour and a half, and they come back and they say, we're going to play three more songs. And they're like, not three more. Four more songs. Not four more. Five more. And the crowd's cheering and cheering. He got up to 17 more songs. <laughs> I was like, please, no. <laughs> Please! How do you have that many oh songs? Oh my god! Oh, play ever long and fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> they play for three hours. Oh, anyway, we won't be doing that. What was Dave Grohl wearing? What was he wearing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have the legs for it anymore, let me tell you that. I'm, I'm more committed to this bit than Dave is. Yeah. <laughs> I'll let it go. I don't, I, think, I don't think I'm that good at I it. Think it's, I think he's lost the yeah. sort of passion for yeah, it. Yeah, I think so. Maybe he's seen In his fact, ways. I think he's really pussed, pussed out. Um, <laughs> I'm like, something will come. Something will come. The benefit of speaking as slow as I do, normally something comes. But not always. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about the Caribbean Cup. I didn't think I'd say that, but here we are. Yes, that's right. We're going to talk about the Caribbean Cup. This one's from 1994. 
Uh, normally the aim of the game of soccer, I don't know, I'm probably explaining this a bit to you too. Some sports lovers out there will already know this. The aim of the game is to get the ball. I've seen bend it like Beckham. <laughs> oh, you go. All right, this is for you then, Dave. Um, the aim of the game of soccer is to get the ball into the net past the opposition's goalkeeper, okay? Normally. <laughs> is this necessary? <laughs> well, that's normally okay. the case. But in this strange but true tale, <laughs> that is not how things went down. Let me take you back to the infamous match between Granada and Barbados in the 19... <laughs> <laughs> in the 1994 Caribbean Cup. <laughs> Heading into this... <laughs> Did you say cheer rather than cheer? A good year. That makes a little more sense. <laughs> cheer was funny. But, uh, yeah, good year. Uh, Heading into the final group match... There was only one spot in the next round up for grabs between these two countries. If Granada won by any margin, they were through. Due to goal difference, though, Barbados... Barbados... <laughs> fucked that up. Uh, <laughs> ...needed to win by at least two goals to progress. So, basically, Granada could have won by any margin or lost by one and they still get through, right? Due to some quirks in the tournament's rules, no draws were allowed. Even in, Normally, in the earlier stages, they'll have draws. But in this uh, competition, no draws were allowed. Everything went into extra time and then um, penalty goals. On top of that... <laughs> oh, boy. On top of that, organisers, for some reason, made the rule that goals in extra time would be worth two goals. And the first team to get one wins. Just sounds like... Yeah, it makes no <laughs> sense, but... They're just making it up as they like are, are you following basically the idea, though? But oh, yeah, yep, 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 Okay, so... So Barbados got uh, to an early 2-0 lead. All right, so if, if, if they blew the siren, then they were through. But, uh, unfortunately for them, Granada struck back, bringing the score to 2-1 with only seven minutes remaining. This meant that if Barbados wasn't able to score in the final minutes, they would be bundled out. But this is where it gets strange, but true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's all been true so far. Oh, okay. Because of uh, the quirk of the rules, Barbados... Barbados... I don't want to have to commit to that, because I have to say it's... Whatever. So, <laughs> I'll just fucking do it. Yes, I will dance. I am a monkey. Uh, because of the quirk of the rules, Barbados realised that their way through to the next round might have to come via scoring for the opposition. What? What? <laughs> the Bleacher Report takes it from here. One Barbadian striker realised that his team were unlikely to score another goal against Granada. They'd parked the bus and with only a few minutes to go and Granada playing an ultra-defensive tactic... So instead, he decided that their best chance of winning was to make the game go into extra time and <laughs> score a golden goal, which would count as two goals. So he promptly powered the ball past his own stunned goalkeeper to make it two all. <laughs> so all of a sudden, it's 2-2, two -two and the goalkeeper's like, what the fuck are you... <laughs> you forget who you're playing for? Now Granada needed to score a goal at either end to avoid extra time <laughs> so that they could go through to the final. <laughs> So the Granada players... 
I've seen the footage of it. It's wild. So they, they were initially stunned by the goal and then suddenly realised what was going on. They turned around and headed for their own goal. <laughs> now the comedy really starts as the Barbadians had, an had anticipated this move and rushed to defend the Granada goal in a, as well as their own. So they're sort of split and defending both ends of the... Until the whistle went for extra time. Um, and in the end, Barbadian ingenuity was rewarded as one of their strikers scored the winning goal four minutes into extra time, which sent Barbados into the finals. <laughs> so that plan worked. As was to be expected, the Grenadians were not amused. <laughs> Granada manager James Clarkson was furious, saying, I feel cheated. The person who came up with these rules must be a candidate for the madhouse. These women just lock him up. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was being genuine too. <laughs> the game should never be played with so many players on the field confused. He didn't like it. The like, players shouldn't be confused. Soccer. Our players did not even know which direction to attack, our goal or their goal. I've never seen this happen before. In football, you were supposed to score against your opponents in order to win, not for them. Uh. He was baffled. <laughs> and this was the first strange but true story. Oh, oh, oh. I love that. I loved it. Phew. For a second, I thought you were making fun of me. Um, all right. Well, let's get That's into... That's Dave's the... job. He's the bitch. <laughs> Go on, get him. Uh, football, I more prefer polo. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Dave you... has a drama degree. <laughs> you can tell. Good. You can tell. Dave, for the people at home, you, you can't just do the hand. You've got to oh, sorry. say the hand. Yeah. Like, that was a bit of Jack Nicholson. Okay. Anyway. All right, the next one comes from, and this is going to really impress that person over there, the New York Times. Whoa. It's a story from March 15th, 1904. And the headline is long. And it really tells the whole story. And I thought about not saying it, but fuck it. Wife, it's so long. All right. <laughs> Wife returned after having fine funeral. Then Valenti learned he had buried the wrong woman. <laughs> it's not done. Ask City to pay the bill. <laughs> Strange, sure, but also true. All right, declaring that the city falsely notified him. This is, so this is direct from the 1904 edition of the New York Times. Decla so some of the language you're going to be like, geez, man, it's writing a bit old school. It's not me. But you were alive then. I mean, I was, yeah. I was alive. I used to write like this, but I've evolved. Then okay. maybe you can, like, decipher it for us, yeah, young if, people. Yeah, if there's anything that doesn't make sense to you, let, uh, let me know. Great. Declaring that the city falsely notified him that his wife was dead and saddled him with the expense of a funeral for a strange woman, <laughs> Ignacio Valente, who lives at... It's so funny that in the old times they'd give the full address in the article. Who lives at 311 East 16th Street. 
Why is that relevant? <laughs> it was, it was a, New York was a small town back then, I guess. Has filed a bill for $250 against the city. The Auditing Bureau of the Finance Department now has it in charge. Valente is an Italian. They don't do this anymore, do they? But interesting. Is that the whole sentence? No, oh. there's a comma. Okay. Valente is an Italian, which made me instantly relate to him as a Swiss Italian <laughs> man. One sixteen. <laughs> and about six weeks ago, he quarrelled with his wife Angelico over the way she cooked macaroni. <laughs> Playing to the stereotype much, buddy? I can say that. As a result of the quarrel, the wife left Valenti's home declaring she would rather die than return. Oh, no. <laughs> when oh, Valente's no. rage had cooled about the macaroni, he became worried over his wife and started a search for her. Nah, Re he just got hungry. <laughs> <laughs> but he refused to eat the macaroni. Yeah. <laughs> In that state. I wanted al dente. <laughs> it's my culture, I know. <laughs> I know a bit of the lingo. <laughs> so he eventually got worried over her and he reported uh, her missing to the police. He gave a, a careful description of the woman and finally, on being notified that the body of the woman answering the description was at the morgue, he went there, accompanied by his two-year-old daughter, which is, makes us all a little grimmer. He identified... Well, I mean, we know she's not dead, so I guess it doesn't really... He identified <laughs> the clothing of the dead woman as belonging to his wife, but when shown the body said he declared it had been changed. Quote... Hold on, the body or the clothing? The body. Oh, I wouldn't be seen dead in those clothes. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. You did what you had to do. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> he recalled that the morgue keeper declared to him after he said, oh, she looks different. The morgue keeper apparently said, they all change after death. <laughs> <laughs> they all shrink about a foot and a half. <laughs> Hair colour can change. Yeah. Uh. And then Valenti said, this woman was better looking than my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the kind of change they go through? Oh, and the more guy's like, yeah, why do you think I got a job here? <laughs> They're all hot. They're all hot. <laughs> it's Babe City in here. Yeah, oh, my God. <laughs> but apparently, so he said, but the, the woman, she's better looking now. And apparently the morgue guy replied, Death beautifies them all. <laughs> this this okay. old guy's a fucking creep. <laughs> Alright, I was kidding, but he really is creepy. Yeah. Perf. You're right. <laughs> Certified perf. Smothering his doubts, Valente says he had the body brought to his home and then in response to an old request made by his wife, got out the wedding dress used by Mrs. Valente and had the strange woman attired in it. The funeral was held and Valente footed the bills, he declared. Notice of the event was published in the Italian papers and the real Mrs. Valente read it and then headed for home. <laughs> Valente, on arriving home, discovered the real Mrs. Valente rummaging about for a wedding dress. What has become of it, she demanded. Why, I buried you in it three days ago. <laughs> Casual? <laughs> hey, hon. <laughs> Don't you remember? <laughs> you are so forgetful. First you forget how to make macaroni the way I like it, and then you forget that you're dead. <laughs> she convinced him that she was really his wife. Oh, my God. 
And then he went after the city, asking them to pay him $100, which he spent for the funeral of the wrong woman, $40 of wages lost through grief, and uh, the illness that followed, the shock of finding his wife alive. <laughs> Not when he found out she was dead. The illness really hit when she came back. Um, and $110 for the bridal costume, which he had placed on the corpse. Um, he asserts that he never would have accepted the body of the other woman whose identif identity is still unknown unless the morgue keeper <laughs> was forcing him to believe that it was the body of his wife through that morgue keeper's full-on horniness. Um, <laughs> this was another strange but true story. <laughs> It's good when you shush an audience. <laughs> shut, shut up, shut the fuck up, shut the fuck up. I got a really good it, joke, shut the it. fuck up. Especially when you're not sure if it will be worth it. Oh, uh, All right, that's two down, three to go, bloody hell. Uh, this one's from the Associated Press, a little more modern, June 18th, 1932. <laughs> and the headline is, Goat is still goat, despite magic. I am in. I mean, those headlines, they sound ridiculous, but also, if I read that now, I'd be like, I have to click on this. Yeah. <laughs> I have to click on this. So this is how the article uh, reads. A group of eminent German and British investigators into psychic phenomena <laughs> ascended tonight to the top of the Brocken, Germany's magic mountain. I looked into this, I looked up the mountain, I'm like, what's, I've never, have you heard of Brocken? You're a German man? Any... <laughs> Can't say my heritage has ever brought me across the brook. So I looked it up. I'm like, how magic is it? And uh, on its <laughs> Wikipedia page... Yeah, all right. How magic we talking? <laughs> Apparently it's like it's well known in dark magic circles. So much so that it's been referenced in lyrics by heavy metal bands such as Coven... Co Coven. Coven. <laughs> Coven 19. Uh, <laughs> big fan. Fate's Warning and Cradle of Filth. And there's even a German black metal band named Brocken Moon. So it's actually a pretty badass mountain, all right? <laughs> so Back to the group of eminent German and British investigators on top of the mountain. In accordance with ancient rite, the investigators in attempted to change a billy goat into a young man. <laughs> I love 1930s science. The investigators observed... That implies that, like, if it turned into, like, a grown man, they'd be disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, pretty important to be a young man. <laughs> the investigators observed every requirement set forth in the High German Black Book. As demanded by the formula, the experimenters had the assistance of Miss Gloria Gordon of England, a maiden of pure heart. They anointed the billy goat with blood and honey and the scrapings of church bells... Blood, honey, and a scraping... Scraping of, of church bells. Okay. They used the proper pine fire. They described a circle of the prescribed size and they uttered every one of the Latin incantations stipulated for such goings-on. Witches have frequented the Brocken ever since man can remember. The smallest boy hereabouts can tell you that. <laughs> says that in the article. Weird line, isn't it? That journalist has asked a lot of little boys. <laughs> Little boy! <laughs> <laughs> you there, little boy! 
Dave, you might make sense of this line. Even Goeth, G-O-E-T-H-E, doesn't matter. <laughs> Even Goeth in his Faust. Oh, Goethe. Is that right? <laughs> Even Goethe in his Faust. Forced. Faust. Fa- Faust. It's like that famous German the story. The Faust impact, yeah. yeah. Recognised that this was a place where no ordinary things happened. He wrote... The witches on the brocken sail, the shooters green, the stubbles pale, and high above them, thrones old Nick. It's gibberish. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Could have edited that bit out. But I really, th- I wanted Dave to show how smart he was, which he barely did. Oh, <laughs> looks like the bitch has been bitched. <laughs> <laughs> As prescribed by the old right, the goat was led into the magic circle by a silver cord. They did everything by the letter here. After it had been anointed, a white sheet was thrown over it. All the proper abracadabra was intoned. Then, in a weird monotone, Harry Price, director of the National Laboratory of Psychical Research in London, boomed one, two, (laughs) all the way to ten. That sounds like Dave Grohl. Doesn't it? Please stop. (laughs) Please. No. In your mind, are you picturing a crowd here? Yeah, people in a circle maybe all around it. There's more than 100 spectators... Oh, shit. ...who've come up the mound to watch this, huddled in overcoats to protect them from there the really swirling mists. There really anything to Nothing do. Nothing to do in the 30s. <laughs> you just go see a train pass by or see a goat stay a goat. Well, I did spoil it earlier, yeah. but... Yeah, uh, I so spoiled the, it again. They put the white sheet over the goat and he counts to ten. And then the maiden, who was pure in heart, whisked off the white sheet and there stood the billy goat. <laughs> Somehow it hadn't turned into a boy. What? I don't know, was there a boy shortage? Why? <laughs> we need more boys. There's another way to make boys. <laughs> no goats required. Similar to a classic Phil Collins album. <laughs> no goat required. No coats required, is that it? Jackets. Jackets, Jacket. fuck, that was so close to being good. Just imagine how good it would have been. Can you imagine if he'd written a different album title? <laughs> and any of you had heard of it. Oh. <laughs> the article ends with the line, The spectators applauded heartily and the investigators said they were satisfied. <laughs> this was yet another strange but true story. They probably get less good as we go along, I to Out of all the stories so far, that's the least believable. <laughs> the goat did not become a boy. We all know that goat became a boy, okay? <laughs> yeah, all right. What are you trying to hide, journalist? Yeah, yeah, you're hushing it up. <laughs> this one might be the wildest one yet. Ooh. Actually, did I say five? There's six. All right. <laughs> I am feeling a little Dave Grohlish. <laughs> All right, the, the, the next two are pretty short, though. John R. Erickson is a children's author. Shut up! Oh. Not you. Oh. <laughs> John R. Erickson is a children's author whose Hank the Cowdog series has sold more than 8.5 million copies. Hank the Cowdog? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they put a white sheet over it. <laughs> Started as a boy. <laughs> Uh, so this children's author wrote an article that really grabbed my attention. It was called Strange But True Pet Tales. 
And I'm like, well, this sounds like it'll be right up the alley of this report today. <laughs> How strange, though. You judge for yourselves. <laughs> John R. Erickson writes, In the late 1990s, our family had an assortment of porch animals. Which is, that's, to be honest, the weirdest part of this whole... <laughs> So, does that, have you heard that porch phrase? Animals. Porch animals. What, what's a porch? Do you know what it is? Dogs and cats <laughs> that just porch. live on the porch. They're outside animals. Outside right, pets. yes, outside animals. I love the differences in language. That's how Americans talk over there. And they'll be listening along right now going, that's correct, I will not tweet Matt. <laughs> um, <laughs> in the late 1990s, our, fa our family had an assortment of porch animals, two or three dogs, I mean, can you not count yeah, that how do many? You know? Two or three. Can't be specific. And several cats, even vaguer about that. <laughs> we had always been dog people and had not been as close to our cats. Oh. But Mark, our son, developed a friendship with Lee, a black and white Tom, and Lee won the rare privilege of spending time inside the house. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, I forgot that wasn't his kid, that's the cat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did get a little confused yeah, there for a second. They've also got porch children. <laughs> two or three of them. Yeah, two or three porch, porch kids. Know. One day, my wife, Chris, who is a porch wife, and <laughs> no, I think she was an he's indoor alone wife. in this big house. There's 30 people on the porch. He won't let them in. I'm guessing this guy's like their version of Paul Jennings or something. It's so fun. What a, doesn't, I don't know why. Just in case anyone here was like, what's a children's author? <laughs> Put it in terms I understand. <laughs> I've said multiple things that I will edit out. Just like, I'm, mainly because I'm like, what, what am I doing? I'm going to go back and edit them all in. Oh. oh. And then I'm going to edit in silence after them. <laughs> You won't long, have to edit that long in. Long <laughs> stretches of silence and then crickets. <laughs> nah, it's too much work. Fuck that. One day, my wife Chris developed a severe headache, which was unusual for her. Hmm, little brag there. Yeah, lucky Chris. <laughs> she laid down on the couch and was surprised when Lee, who you might remember, was the porch cat who was lucky to be inside. <laughs> she was surprised when Lee jumped up and sat on her chest. When he purred, Dave, how does that sound? It's a horny, horny cat, sorry. <laughs> okay, well, that, that really changes this next bit. If it, <laughs> if it was a horny cat, that fully changes this uh, next part of this sentence. Uh, when he purred, stared at her and moved his front paws up and down. <laughs> cat's a perv. <laughs> perv. So the, the cat's on the chest. Cat's on the chest. Fiddling around with the nips. <laughs> that, is that what cat nips are? <laughs> I'm learning so much about pets tonight. This was meant to be one of the short ones. Uh, the cat then crept forward and began pressing his paws against her head, almost as though he were giving her a massage. After a while, the headache went away. And this was yet another strange but true story. No way. Yes, we. The headline for this was Strange But True Pet Tales. He led with that. The I didn't read the second one. My wife had a headache. No. 
<laughs> All right. <laughs> and, that, and that was written by a man who's come up with some sort of cow-dog creature. Yeah. Genius. Wow. All right. Wow. Here's an even quicker one. Let's see if I actually do it quickly. I love this one. Uh, this was suggested by listener Grace Brooks. Grace in? Is that someone pretending no to be great? <laughs> Grace ain't in, man. <laughs> Thank you, duty on sound. <laughs> so Grace Brooks suggested this. It's about Susanna Salter, who became the first woman mayor of the United States. So, first woman mayor. Mayor. <laughs> mayor. Mayor. We get a lot of tweets about that. The first woman mayor, uh, she went in as a woman. She went over her. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... <laughs> Susanna Salter was elected mayor, mayor of Argonia on April the 4th, 1887. And it was a surprise even to herself. Her name was placed on a slate of candidates as a prank by a group of men against women in politics, hoping to secure a loss that would humiliate women and discourage them from running. Okay. <laughs> men are cool. <laughs> as, as candidates didn't need to be made public before election day, Salter did not know she'd been on the ballot before the polls opened. On the day, she was like, what? On election day, the Women's Christian Temperance Union voted for Salter en masse. Include, and also did uh, powerful Republicans also agree to vote for her, which led to Salter securing the victory by a two-thirds majority. <laughs> <laughs> so these guys are like, well, fuck women up here. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that backfired in a big way. But it also goes down in history as yet another strange <laughs> but true story. It's so good. What a cruel little I know. morsel did, did there. Did you see how quickly I went? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't, I didn't control that. It just happened. <laughs> Do you believe in love after love? It's my very good share impersonation. That is a very good share impersonation. <laughs> that was, that was Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, I'd prefer if you didn't share that <laughs> round. Sorry. I mean, I couldn't help myself. I thought it was very good too. But something within me just had to say something. Hey, Dave, when is this meant to go to? You got time for uh, you got one What's more. three hours from 8.40? <laughs> so great. All right, great. Well, the last one's a bit longer anyway, okay? And this is the one, Dave, you were most excited about. And this is probably what... Oh, it, yes. This might be the titular... <laughs> I forgot about it. Did you forget about it? You desperate. You, did you I have, yes. But also, you just pulled the weirdest face I've ever seen. You went full Stephen. <laughs> I, uh, no shame. I am really excited about this. All right, yeah, hit us. So this episode's probably going to be called The Strange Case of the Kentucky Meat Shower and meat other shower, yes. strange but true stories. Oh, okay. Uh, this was suggested by Hannah White in Canberra and Eric Parody from Ottawa and Emily Noddle from Melbourne. Emily's here. Yes! Of blue. Yes! Has that ever happened? It happened twice in primates today. It's never so, happened. So, in one more time. Oh, no. 
Oh, wait, Hannah is here as well yeah. from Canberra. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> that is actually sick. That's pretty great. That's so good. Strange but true. Eric. <laughs> <laughs> So of the of the people who suggested it, um, the people here are in a two-thirds majority. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I mean, I hate to make excuses mid-show, but I'm real tired. Um, come back next week, I'll be back on. I kill, I'm killed every other time I've done this, so. <laughs> this is a weird... <laughs> Every other, Every, Every other time? Every other time. Yeah. I actually kill in a two-thirds majority. <laughs> <laughs> Saved it. <laughs> you should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. This show is brought to you by BetterHelp. i got to get something off my chest. Okay. I ate... Your last biscuit. I was that saving been, them for my wedding. That has been stress. <laughs> that has been stressing me out. I'm so sorry. I feel a lot better to get that off my chest. You know, keeping things bottled up can affect people negatively, and that had been affecting me. And that feel that's a weight off my shoulder. Yeah. it was delicious. I'm not sorry, but I did take the last biscuit that he was saving for his wedding. I didn't know that. <laughs> That is upsetting to hear, but I think I'm going to have to get some uh, positive coping skills, learn to set some boundaries. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you could give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, so it's very convenient. It's flexible. You can fit it around your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist. You too can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com D-G-O today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P.com slash D-G-O. So uh, for this one, I'll be quoting a bit from for the start from an article by Beck Crew of the Scientific American. And this story goes way back to the 3rd of March, 1876, when large hunks of flesh fell from the sky over <laughs> Olympia Springs in Bath County, Kentucky. <laughs> Still keen. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. (laughs) If you don't like it, I know two people you can blame. (laughs) Uh, According to a New York Times article published the following week, so way back in uh, 1876, the phenomenon occurred right nearby the house of one Alan Crouch, whose wife was outside making soap when it happened. (laughs) Bit ironic, I guess. In a town called Butwell, she's... Getting rained on by meat. She's making something to clean. But the thing you clean, that's also made from fat. I don't know if it's ironic, let's be honest. I keep finding connections that aren't amusing. Um, But they are. Yeah, keep saying them out loud. (laughs) I can't stop. But I will now. I'll just read and I'll see if you guys can pick up the slack for fucking once. Yeah, well, you should change your slacks. (laughs) 
Honestly, I should have. Yeah. There's a fucking hole in it. There's a, there's a hole right up. Right up. <laughs> right up the clock. You can ha- ask for a refund and I wouldn't mind. Look at that. What? I'm so Don't look sorry. at that. <laughs> this guy says he'd pay extra. Hold him to it. <laughs> you pay on the way out, sir. <laughs> so she's outside. Alan, um, or he, Alan Crouch, could be, oh, whatever. Alan Crouch is outside making soap. No, his yes. His wife. His wife, fuck. All right. Mrs. Crouch. Mrs. Crouch. Uh, the article wrote at the time, the meat, which looked like beef, fell around her. The sky was perfectly clear at the time, and she said it fell like large snowflakes. Is this like... I wasn't sure if people would be like, oh, what a bloody dream. But no, you're more going, this is a bit yuck. Now I'm thinking, what, what a dream. <laughs> <laughs> what if it fell perfectly on a barbecue? That'd be yeah. good, wouldn't it? That'd be great. At the Crouch residence, a Mrs., uh, Mr. Harrison Gill, whose veracity was described by the New York Times as unquestionable. <laughs> That's pretty voracious. Yeah. Uh, he visited the day after the alleged flesh falls. Beautifully put. Beautifully put. Flesh falls. That one, that's a Beck crew, so don't uh, thank me for that. It's beautiful uh, w- w- wordliness. Um, You're so close. So close. Yeah, you can do this. I'm edging uh, to the... <laughs> Okay, to edge into the end of the report. So who's this unquestionable man? Uh, Mr. Harrison Guild, and he, unquestionable, he visited the house after the alleged flesh falls and noted the uh, presence of meat sticking out of the fences and scattered across the ground. At least one of the hunks measured 10 centimetres squared. That's a big big chunk of of beef. Uh, But most are about five by five centimetres. They were apparently fresh when they fell, but having been left out all night, they were now spoiled and dry. Two unidentified gentlemen turned up to taste the meat rain. Oh. We'd prefer if you don't name us in this article. <laughs> <laughs> but we're having a delicious time. They declared that it had the flavour of either venison or mutton, so, which is like old deer or old lamb, right? Old lamb being uh. sheep, probably. <laughs> if only there was a word for this. <laughs> the English language, language is beautiful. The English language is so beautiful. Oh, no. I love language. Uh. I just love language. Uh. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Genuinely needed that. Someone in the audience said, I'm doing great. Uh, which is a, a massive lie, but I'll take it. <laughs> the first explanation came three months later when someone called Leopold Brandis received and analysed some of the specimens that had been preserved in glycerine. He announced that the meat was not actually meat at all. Quote, At last we have a proper explanation of this much-talked-about phenomenon. It was reported in the Scientific American that year. Quote goes on, It has been comparatively easy to identify the substance and to fix its status. The Kentucky Wonder is no more or less than Nostoc. Heard of that? Nostoc. No. It's a type of cyanobacteria that forms colonies surrounded by a protective gelatinous envelope. Uh, Nostoc is known to swell up Mm -hmm. into a translucent jelly-like mass whenever it rains. 
Because it's so inconspicuous when dry, for many years, people believed Nostock to float on the breeze until it rained, which caused it to fall from the sky like hail. Colourful nicknames such as Star Jelly, Witch's Butter, and Star Slubber. <laughs> okay, those are our new nicknames. Eye Shotgun, Star Slubber. I'm changing the group chat immediately. <laughs> I'll be Star Jelly, thank you. <laughs> Uh, problem is... What's that leave, Dave? Witch's jizz or something? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, witch's jizz. Uh, yeah, that'll be my nickname now. So he was so sure of it, uh, this man uh, that I named. Uh, Leopold... Leopold Brandis. Uh, he was so sure of it, he said the rain made it wet and right. that turned it into that. Ah, interesting, Leopold, because they said... It was a clear sky. Oh. There was no rain. It was a oh. perfectly clear night. Leopold, you dumb fuck. <laughs> Do a bit of research. Fuck, I hate Leopold. He sound, I think he's a plant from Big Mutton, you know? <laughs> Coming down, pretending that it's Nostock. Who's heard of that? No one. It sounds made up, doesn't it? Yep. Uh, Brandy's Leopold, the dog had given a couple of mystery meat samples to a president of the Newark Scientific Association, Dr. A. Mead Edwards, who said it was likely that the meat was actually lung tissue of a human infant or a horse. <laughs> I don't know if I trust this guy. Lungs, do you reckon the infant lungs and a horse lung? Oh, I couldn't tell the difference between them. Oh, I'm a doctor though, so. <laughs> Another histologist, Dr. J.W.S. Arnold, studied the specimens and agreed, concluding in the American Journal of Micropsy and Popular Science that they consisted of some kind of animal cartilage and lung tissue. Ew. Confusing. Eventually, seven samples were examined by several scientists who confirmed two to be lung tissue, three to be muscular tissue, and two were said to be made of cartilage. So how did they come to be involved in the infamous Kentucky shower of flesh? <laughs> I hate that. Dr. Kastenbein, who wrote in an 1876 edition of the Louisville Medical News, posited that the substance was actually about a projectile vulture vomit. Oh. Still loving it, Dave? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> Having obtained a sample of his own, Kastenbein set fire to it and observed that it smelt distinctly of rancid mutton. That was his scientific test. I'll just set fire to it. Yeah, I've looked at it. If that's I've what it takes, it, I'm a scientist. <laughs> Ridiculous. Set fire to heaps of shit. Do you? No. <laughs> Where'd you park, by the way? <laughs> Near that smoking building. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to burn your house down. <laughs> so this is from... Matt. Oh. Look at me when I tell you. Yes. I'm going to burn your house to the ground. Can you let me get my insurance in no. order? No. Oh. <laughs> well, that's just mean then. <laughs> Dave, your house is fine. Thank you. Matt's going to need somewhere to stay. <laughs> he, can oh. live on, he can live on my porch. <laughs> <laughs> it's big. It's real big. 
So this is a quote from Kastenbein. The only plausible theor uh, theory explanatory of this anomalous shower... Here we go. Here we go. He's fucking science cunt. <laughs> Leave it. <laughs> Leave it. <laughs> yeah, I thought Jess was leaving. <laughs> She's offended. I just need a drink. I mean, fucking hell, I can't, I can hardly pronounce a word in this quote. But everything I said so far... <laughs> the shower appears to me uh, to be su uh, suggested by, of the old Ohio farmer, the disengorgement of some vultures that were sailing over the spot. From their immense height, the particles were scattered by the prevailing wind over the ground, he wrote. The variety of tissue discovered, muscular, connective, fatty, structureless, etc., can be explained only by this theory. Two species of vulture are found in Kentucky, the black vulture and the turkey vulture, and both of which are known to projectile vomit their stomach contents uh, as either a defense mechanism or to make themselves light enough for flight. <laughs> what a nightmare. Yeah. So this is a possibility, but what the mystery meat actually was is still unknown to this day. It is actually a mystery oh. topic. But Nidorama gives a little bit, a uh, little, little bit of a fun bit of closure, hopefully, here. Great website, nidorama.com, <laughs> I assume. Um, so here's a little addendum from Nidorama. There were many theories on how it happened, but none were proven at the time. So the incident was relegated to the strange and bizarre news category. The Kurt, then Kurt Goad moved to Kentucky to teach art at Transylvania University, which you might remember from the Transy book heist. Oh, yeah. So he's working at that same university as an arts guy. Much prefer to those science cunts. Um, <laughs> so he heard of this story. He did a deep dive into all the documentation from that period, which was little, but enough to make him a little more curious. Fascinated with the meat shower to begin with, a serendipitous find in 2004 stoked his ardour even further. He was clearing out storage closets at Transylvania University when he stumbled upon an old glass jar sealed with a cork stopper. It contained a chunk of white, fatty-looking meat suspended in a pale yellow liquid. Oh, God. The oh, label was... <laughs> <laughs> Science has evolved. They used to set fire to it. Now they just drink it. <laughs> I'll figure this one out. Uh, the label was faded, but the words Olympia Springs could still be made out. And, he's, and he was thrilled. He's like, I know what this is. This is that lunch. weird sky meat. <laughs> Slash lunch. I had my lunch on the bloody bench today, would you believe? <laughs> <laughs> what am I like? Determined to try and pinpoint what mystery animal rained down over Olympia Springs, Goad worked with a colleague in the biology department to have the sample genetically tested. Unfortunately, the sample was too old and contaminated to give any conclusive results. Then Goad got creative. Much of his artwork involves community engagement. So he had a taste lab based in Cincinnati... Oh. <laughs> analysed flavour compounds of the meat sample and reconstructed the taste into a jelly bean. <laughs> then he went around and he, and he goes, you want to taste what that sky meat was? Have a jelly, and people loved it. Would you do it? Would you try that? No. <laughs> he was not, the thing he didn't tell him, he wasn't going, have some... Vulture vomit jelly beans. He was saying, have some mystery meat jelly. I mean, either way. Oh, no. You got this. He's got one sentence left. I can tell because your text is size 42. 
I should say before I say the line, I ran out of um, Strange But True um, <laughs> music. Okay. But I found something else. Okay. And this was the final Strange But True story. See that chap over there? He's got your hand This is the one who got me on the cleanest people. That is my report on Strange But True story. Matt Stewart, everybody. <laughs> Can we have a big round of applause for Matt Stewart doing the report tonight? Thanks so much. Jess Perkins rules. Uh, a big thank you to the European Beer Cafe, everyone here. Appreciate you being here. Esteban on the camera. Esteban on camera. Emma helping out with all the stuff backstage. We've got Duty on sound. We appreciate that. Uh, and for you lovely people for coming out on this Easter Sunday, thank you so much. And until... Thank you. <laughs> thank you so Again, much. Normally, that, normally that's what the co-hosts would do. They go, and also a big round of applause, but not us. Not us. Well, I love like, that to an audience. Fuck you, Dave. We've <laughs> got a co-audience in tonight. Appreciate that. Uh, but yeah, well, thank you so much. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Later. Bye. Well, well, well. What a triumph that was. We did it. Can you believe it? The podcast is back. It's live again. I can't believe it myself. Um, so exciting. But... Uh, we don't have to bang on about that anymore. Um, we've got now everyone's favourite segment of the show, the fact, quote, or question section. Um, I'm not sure if Bob did this last week, uh, but, you know, it would be very difficult to do it without me, obviously. <laughs> I'm the master of this, make it look easier than it probably is. It's actually quite a difficult uh, segment to run, but I bloody make it happen each week. Um I'm padding, even though I could just pause the recording <laughs> while I search for these. But no, instead what I'm doing is uh, talking and letting it run. And I apologize for that. But all right, here we go. We're going to have four uh, fact quotes or questions this week. Oh, the segment has a little jingle, which I guess, seeing as I'm here by myself, I'll have to do myself. And it goes like this, fact, quote, or question, ding. He always remembers the ding. All right, so the way this works is you get involved at either dogonpod.com or patreon.com slash dogonpod, and you sign up on the Sydney Scheinberg level. Um, there's a bunch of different levels. If you want, uh, you can get on board for bonus episodes at a different level. The Sydney Scheinberg level is one of the higher levels. You get nearly everything on there. You get the bonus episodes. You get voting rights. You get access to the Facebook group. You get the Christmas card at the end of the year. You get... Uh, all those things and more, uh, but the big one is you get to offer us a fact, a quote, or a question. Now, this uh, the way this works is you get involved there, you'll get a message uh, once you sign up with instructions to do it. If you're on that level and you're like, how do I get my fact, quote, or question in, send me a message on page, Patreon. Patreon, that sounds delicious. Uh, and I will um, help you out, but hopefully everyone on there is aware of what's going on. So the first one to come in this week comes from Jordan Meetray Nassi. Uh, he's, he's slid in a nickname even there. You also get to give yourself a title, and Jordan's given himself the title of Silly Boy Who Makes Up His Own Nicknames. I know another silly boy who makes up his own nicknames. <laughs> anyway, so I might have... Um, 
Oh, here we go. Uh, Jordan has offered us a quote. His quote is, don't quote me on this. Dave Warnicky, suck it. I quoted you. <laughs> I wonder when he said that. That's fun. You got got there, Dave. Sucked in, dickhead. It's a bit mean when he's not here to defend himself, but um, hopefully he can take that. Uh, thank you very much, Jordan. Nassi, with that hot takedown of David Warnicky. He had it coming. He really did have it too good for too long. Um, even though Jess and Dave absolutely nursed me through the episode you just heard, which uh, for whatever reason, I battled. I edited out quite a few times where I just said words wrong. Uh, I made some bad puns and I edited them out as they bombed and no one needed to hear that. Um, you have to be there in the in the room to hear such quality. Um, so the next one comes from Jacob Lane. And Jacob Lane has given himself the title Lisa S. No, that's too obvious. Let's say L. Simpson. If you don't know Jacob, he's our resident Simpsons expert. And that's a right off the bat, a hot quote from The Simpsons. Uh, Jacob's asking a question. Let's hope it's addressed specifically to me. <laughs> hey, guys. Oh, that's a bad start. That's at least a th two or three of us. Hey, guys. I was just wondering what your favorite place you've holidayed to around the world is. I'm currently planning a trip to Japan, and I'm considering extending that to some other parts of the world. So any recommendations would be greatly appreciated. Also, if I have to answer my own question, which I always appreciate, if you ask a question, the fact quote a question, I really do appreciate it if you answer your own question, uh, which Jacob has done here. He says... I guess my favorite place I've holidayed is to the Doha International Airport. There was a train in there. <laughs> That's pretty good. That is good stuff. Um, yeah, ideally one of the others would be here. They're probably more jet-setting holidayers than me. I've had a few great trips though in my time. I mean, the, the do-go-on trips have been fantastic when we went to Ireland and the UK and we also... Um, Went, of course, to Thailand that time, which was pretty great. But uh, of holidaying places uh, internationally, um, most of my experience at holidaying is around uh, caravan parks in country Victoria. That's where my family used to go on holidays when I was a kid, which I fucking loved. But um, internationally, let's say really had a great time in Germany um, getting around there. Um Oktoberfest was a lot of fun, and um, yeah, I haven't been to Japan, but that's somewhere I would really love to go to Japan. Um, I had a my, the first time I ever went overseas, I spent uh, four days in Shanghai, and that was amazing. Uh, it was yeah, it's just so exciting to get out and about, and it, it just like the the humidity and just the atmosphere and everything felt so different. It was yeah, it just was. Pretty electric feeling, I remember. So that would be a, a highlight. And not too far from Japan if you wanted to um, head into China as well. Um, yeah. So oh, New Zealand, I had an amazing uh, couple of trips to New Zealand. Uh, once I went, spent a couple of weeks in the North Island, ended up, uh, was kind of built around a trip to see the Saints play the first AFL game uh, for, for premiership points we played over there. Uh, which was pretty cool. And then I went back and uh, traveled around the South Island, which was amazing as well. Love both. New Zealand is a sick place to go. 
Uh, maybe you could go there on the way back or the way there. I mean, Jacob, you're coming from Australia. I don't know when this holiday is planned for, but we're not really allowed to leave particularly, but it sounds like maybe New Zealand's an option. So that, maybe that's one to think about. All right, Jacob, hopefully uh, that was enough uh, waffle for you. Appreciate the question very much and your support. Uh, next one comes from Roy Phillips, who's given himself the title of Tongue Twister Trick Tester. <laughs> which is nice. And Roy has a fact. Here we go. I re-listened to the Lego episode, and in it you mentioned that Lego are the largest makers of tyres in the world. I mean, I wrote that report, and I don't remember that fact, but that's a great fact. Makes sense. There's all those mini tyres. Then I remembered something in the same vein, and it's that Disney is the second largest purveyor of explosives in the world behind only the U.S. military. <laughs> that's, a, that's a fun and or grim fact. I reckon that's right in that sweet spot in the middle of the Venn diagram of fun and grim. Well done, Roy. You did it. I knew it could be done, even though some said it couldn't be done, but I knew it could be done, and you bloody did it. Well done, Roy Phillips. Great fact. Grim and fun equals great. Well done. And finally, uh, Mine Gallagher. Let me see if I can find out how to pronounce this name quickly. M-A-E-N. Pronunciation. Oh, there's a pronunciation there with a two-star rating, so I don't know if I'm going to trust that. Let's see what this says. Apologies. I met people listening. Um, hopefully you have the patience for this. Let's see. Min. Min. Okay. Well, that's not what I would have guessed, so that's handy. I looked it up. Uh, Min Gallagher, who's got the title of Old School Video Game Historian of the Pod. I'm so glad you're here, Min, because um, they're kind of the only games I, I ever played, seeing as I play, only played video games really as a kid, and they are very much old school now. Um, the question is... What does John Curtin mean to you? Okay, well, I I get to the John Curtin Hotel semi-regularly. It's a, a pub in uh, Carlton, and John Curtin was a Labor Prime Minister in the good old days, or at least the old days, uh, I think quite a while back, like first half of the 20th century. But that's a guess. Couldn't tell you much more about them. I think John Curtin's, like, well-loved in... Maybe in the Labor Party, but I, I don't know, mate. Maybe not. Um, and that, but anyway, that's a great pub. Seen some great gigs there, performed there as well. They used to run a comedy night, but um, that's what I know. Anyway, uh, Min Gallagher answers uh, the question as well, which I love. I've recently stated, oh my God, I need to have this in larger font. Oh no, it says stated, but I think it means started. All right, let me go again. I've recently started playing Civ Six on Switch, and the iconic leader given to Australia is John Curtin. And I had never heard of him before. Um, I'm in the UK. Well, that's a pretty good excuse, I think. Min? Um, and I never heard of him before. Is John Curtin your most iconic leader? What did he do worth celebrating? I know you like people who ask a question to answer it themselves, but JC means nothing to me. (laughs) 
The Civ 6 England leader is Queen Victoria, and I know a bit about her. Okay, well, yeah, I wonder if... I mean, I thought you were going to give more info there, so I should look up John Curtin briefly. Um, iconic leader. Maybe it was a, a wartime... Uh, he was a, a wartime leader. Um, 14th Prime Minister of Australia from 1941 until his death in 1945. So, yeah, so he was there for the chunk, big chunk of World War II. Uh, he was the leader of the Australian Labor Party. I got that right from 35 to 45 and its longest serving leader until Gough Whitlam. Uh, Curtin's leadership skills and personal character were acclaimed by his political contemporaries. He's frequently cited as one of Australia's greatest prime ministers. Oh, there you go. Uh, maybe we should do a report on him sometime down the line. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't have. I would have expected it to be Menzies or something. Menzies was a prime minister of Australia for like fucking like twenty years or something. That I might be overstating that, but I don't know if it, that makes him iconic just because he did it a long time. Gough Whitlam's definitely one that I think is pretty iconic as well. Um, but yeah, John John Curtin sounds worthy as well. Let me see if I can find out how long. Uh, Menzies was leader for. He was on the other side, the Liberal Party, which is the Conservative Party in Australia. And he was uh, Prime Minister from 49 to 66. 66, actually, fun fact, was the year the Saints won their one and only premiership. But he was booted out before then, so didn't hold the office at the time. So he was in office firstly from 39 to 41, so about a bit over two years, and then again from 49 to 66, which is end of 49 to start of 66. So let's say that is just over 16 years plus... So 18 or so years, so that's pretty wild. Um, I don't know, yeah. Why? You've got the wrong guy in here. Jess, who's related to a prime minister, she'd have better answers. But, um, yeah, hopefully that was something to you, Min. I mean... If not, feel free to give it a bloody Google. But hopefully that gave you some idea. All right, so that's the end of the facts, the quotes, and the questions. Thank you so much, Min Gallagher, as well as Roy Phillips, Jacob Lane, and Jordan, meet Trey Nassi. Now uh, it's time to thank a few of our other great supporters. Uh, and we normally play a little game. Jess normally comes up with that game for the names. And obviously she's not here today, but I thought I'd take it into my own hands. And I found... Uh, a page of facts. I googled strange but true facts and I got this page from thefactsite.com. 100 strange but true facts that will shock you. <laughs> so I'm going to give everyone I read out, I'm going to give you a fact. Hopefully that's just a bit of fun. The first person I'd love to thank uh, comes from Leopold in Victoria, Australia. It is Amy Tickner. Amy Tickner. Now, Amy Tickner's strange but true fact is Donkey Kong got his name because his creator believed donkey meant stupid in English and wanted to convey the impression that the character was a stupid ape. That is shocking. I mean, I knew it already because I think I've talked about that on an episode of Primates, but still probably shocking for you who heard it for the first time right now. And I apologise for you being so shocked, but I guess you were warned. Um, thank you so much, Amy Tickner, for your, all your support, and I hope that fun and shocking fact 
knocked you off your chair, but not in a way that hurt you uh, permanently. The next one comes from Slacks Creek in Queensland from Madison Adkins. Madison Adkins, thank you so much. Here is your shocking fact. More than one-fifth of all the calories consumed by humans worldwide is provided by rice alone. Wow. Rice providing 20% of all calories consumed by humans. Humans. Uh, Hopefully you really enjoyed that shocking fact there, Madison. Pick yourself up off the floor because it is a true fact. You gotta believe it. Next one's from Los Angeles in California, United States. Michelle Lee. Hey Michelle, get ready for this. People can have a psychological disorder called bone throppy uh, that makes them believe that they are a cow. They try to live their life as a cow. Whoa. Bone throppy. Wow, 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 Michelle. <laughs> that's a that is a shocking fact. I hope you're okay. Um, but I appreciate your support. This next one, I'm not sure where they're from, but their name is fantastic. Avant Hill. And Avant Hill, get ready for this fact. The name for the shape of Pringles is called a hyperbolic paraboloid. Hyperbolic paraboloid. That's fun to say. So I'm going to say one more time. Hyperbolic paraboloid. So thank you so much to you, Avant Hill. Uh, This one comes from Birmingham in England. We were in Birmingham not too long ago. I think until uh, last week, Birmingham was our last ever live show. Um, Yeah, and I have very fond memories from it. Uh, This one comes from Jess Perrin. Jess Perrin from Birmingham. Jess, here's your fact. There is a McDonald's in every continent except Antarctica. That is a shocking fact. I thought Antarctica would have had one. Uh, Overall, there are more than 36,000 McDonald's restaurants spread across the globe. Wow. That's pretty fun. All right. Wait, it says, have a minute spare for five random facts? While this number is incredibly high... It makes perfect sense considering that this favorite fast food ranks as the second largest fast food restaurant chain in the world. I wonder what's bigger than it. Maybe Subway. Anyway, whatever. The first McDonald's to open outside of the USA commenced operations on June the 3rd, 1967 in Richmond, Canada. Wow. I'm glad I had a, a spare minute for those five random facts. I don't understand what they were talking about there. Anyhow, let's keep rolling. This next uh, great supporter comes from South Oakenden in Essex, Great Britain, and it's Matt Young. Matt Young was the name of a a St. Kilda footballer in the 90s. I wonder if you are the same now you've moved over to the UK. I wonder. Um, Hope so. Either way, love your work, Matt. And here's your fact. Mr. Potato Head was the first toy to be advertised on TV. That's a fun fact. That has shocked me to my very core. Uh, Thank you so much, Matt. This one comes uh, from Roswell in Georgia, United States. Is that the Roswell? Can only assume. Uh, So you've probably gotten used to being shocked. Will Garbers. And Will Garbers, here's your fact. 
A duel between three people is actually called a truel. That's fun. I think these are more sort of edging towards fun facts than shocking facts, but facts all the same, I assume. I'm taking the word of thefactsite.com. Uh, thank you, Will. Uh, got a, just three more to go now, I believe. This supporter comes from Oakland in California in the United States. Connolly Strombeck. And here is your fact, Connolly. The stage before frostbite is called frostnip. Stage before frostbite is called frostnip. That's when your nips get hard, I guess. It's when you know it's about to get cold. Or probably already is. Thank you so much to you, Connolly Strombeck. Uh, next support is from Canterbury in England. Canterbury, that's where the tales are from, I think. And this Canterburian is named Charlie Cleary. Here is your fun fact, Charlie Cleary. Not fun, sorry, shocking fact. The two tiny holes in every big pen ensure that the air pressure is the same both inside and outside the pen, which helps the ink flow to the tip. All right, and finally, thank you to, the, uh, to you, Charlie. Finally... From Vancouver in BC, Canada, Shay Claire. Shay Claire, here's your fact. Have I, what have I done here? No, I think that's right. Here's your fact. In South Korea, there is an emergency number, 113, to report spies. Special spy reporting number. Hey, that's handy. That's pretty handy. Okay, so that's that's all our uh, shout-outs for today. I'd love to uh, thank them all once again before we quickly go through our Triptych Club uh, inductees. So that's Shay, Charlie, Connolly, Will, Matt, Jess, Arvent, Michelle, Madison, and Amy. Uh, now let's go through quickly through, because we've got a few, and normally Dave and Jess really handle this. Um so welcoming uh, these great people into the Triptych Club is uh, my honour today, and I, I hope uh, I do it justice. Um, got to have some uh, to be involved in this. You got to be uh, involved on the shout out level for three straight years, uh, and then we we bring you in. Uh, I've got the the clipboard here with the door list. Uh, Jess, I reckon she would have come up with some sort of like shocking cocktail like a maybe she would have called it a shock tail and it would have had like electricity in it and also the food would have been electric and then dave would have got ice house to play electric blue all night and or the, uh maybe neil young would be here to play his shocking pinks album in full uh, that rockabilly one i think if i'm recalling that right anyway it doesn't matter it's going to be a fun time and everyone's or, or who's already in is here for the party to welcome you in so I'm going to bring him in with a little bit of hype, uh, and then we're going to wrap up the show. So first up, I'd love to welcome into the Trip Ditch Club from Clayton in Victoria. It's Katie Murphy. Hey, Murphy's Law says uh, everything goes wrong, I think, but you're going right. Welcome in, Katie. All right, here we go. Next one from Manhattan in MT State. Montana, I reckon. United States, it's Zane Hatunga. Zane Hatinga. Zane, hey, uh, Zane Lowe is a radio DJ in England. Well, you make me Zane high as a kite with your presence. Welcome into the club. 
Next up from Seattle, Washington, it's a long-term listener and supporter like all of these people are, Brian Colella. Brian Colella, Seattle, the home, famously the home of Dr. Fraser Crane. Well, I'm listening to you, Brian, as you bloody kill it once again conversationally. Well done, Brian. Love your work. From Officer in Victoria, it's Ben Gool, Guile, or Ghoul or Guile. Hey, Ben, hey, you've got some guile about you, and I'd love to chat to you for a while. Welcome into the club, Ben. From West Footscray in Victoria, it's CJ Diamond. Hey, you're a one diamond in the rough, CJ. Welcome to the welcome to the club as well. And from Detroitwich in Worcestershire, Great Britain, it's Ernie Arrowsmith. Hey, your arrow shoots true today, Ernie. And right through my heart, I'm in love with you. All right. And from Chelsea in ME, which maybe is Maine in the United States, I have to welcome in Michelle Stafford. Michelle Stafford, Staffy. You're no dog, Michelle. You're a bloody legend. Unless you think dogs are legends, then you're a dog. Welcome in, Michelle, you legend. And finally, from Killini Kalan- in Dublin, Ireland, it's Tian and Annis. Tiernan Annis. Tiernan. I won't be crying any tears tonight, uh, Tiernan, unless they're tears of joy from the joy you bring me, your bloody legend, Big Tiernan Annis. Thank you so much to Tiernan, Michelle, Ernie, CJ, Ben, Brian, Zane, and Katie. All the best people. I hope you have the best time in our Triptych Club. It's so nice to welcome you in. And that brings us to the end of the episode. If you need to know anything more about us, you can find out at dogoonpod.com. We are slowly uh, redoing that website, so apologies that that's taken so long. Most of you wouldn't even care or know. But anyway, it's happening as we speak. And, uh, yeah, all our social medias is dogoonpod. Please check those all out. Please come to see me at the Comedy Festival. Nostalgia was better when I was a boy. You can get tickets via comedyfestival.com.au. But until next week, where we'll have a special episode back in the studio with guest Naomi Higgins, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, Till then, I'll say goodbye, laters. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.